Welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I'm stressed out of my mind. And with me this week is calm and beautiful Daniel Rye. <laughs> very calm. Mm, very beautiful. And moderately excited and moderately attractive, it's Scott Reed. <laughs> and that's it. Um, I'm sorry. I hope I, wasn't, I didn't offend you by calling you modest. Mod- no, I just I, I I'm also stressed. <laughs> I know. <But laughs> we'll be beautiful again meeting. when everything's over. <laughs> Has helped. Pretty oh. chill staff meeting. Pretty chill pre podcast. Nice. Uh, Bill Calvin. Bill Muffin Calvin is out this week. He has COVID. Um, so Scott and Daniel, would you guys both pray for for him and and for the show before we start? I can start. Great. <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah, God, thank you um, for the show. Um, thank you for all these people um, who listen, and uh, I just pray that you would just really bless bless them as they are listening to this podcast today. Um, I also uh, just thank you for the opportunity to come together around a table and talk about you. And Lord, I want to pray for Bill um, as he is unable to be with us right now. I don't know what state he's in. Um, probably just frustrated. Um, but Lord, I pray for healing for him. I pray, Lord, that he would get his symptoms in check really quickly as he's got a lot coming up between preaching next week for Palm Sunday weekend and also running the Boston Marathon the weekend after that. Lord, we just pray that he'll be back on his feet and able to interact with people and all of that uh, as soon as possible. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Man, he's really running the Boston Marathon in two weeks? Yeah, Easter weekend. You've got to be kidding me. Is, is he able, is that, is that going to be a problem? Like how long does he have to be COVID free to it, run the bus? It shouldn't run? be a problem. I mean, at, unless he has like a really bad case. Mm-hmm. Um, he tested positive like yesterday or the day before. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm pretty sure that the turnaround is like shorter than it used to be. But if, even if it was still like two weeks, like he'd be, that's like, he would have trouble preaching um, on Palm Sunday. But he, COVID, he should be fine for the... COVID does not want Bill to run the Boston Marathon. (laughs) First, it tries an indirect attack, cancels the whole thing, and then it's like, fine, I'm coming for you personally. Well, then it's like, ah, now there's too many people. (laughs) Uh, All right, Scott, take it away with some would you rathers. All right. It's just the youngins today. It's just the youngins. It's the Mm. boys are back. You finally got rid of both Dan and Bill. I think what you're the oldest. You're 28. Yeah, I'm almost or you're 28. not 28, and I'm 28 in a month and a half. We're both 27, and you're what? 14. 24. 24. I was surprisingly close in a numerical sense, <laughs> not in a tabulation sense. Right. All right, Scott, take it away. In a cosmic sense, you're also pretty close. On an abacus, I was very far away, compared, but on a calculator, I was real close. To the age of the universe, you're pretty close. That's a good point. <laughs> Yep, everyone's already turned off. I, I don't. I don't blame them. <laughs> They're like Bill's not on. I'm, I know Rick Palandri's already closed. I was it. watching this video <laughs> earlier today while I was exercising a YouTube video, and it's just some people who like draw and, and goof around, and, like have conversations with each other while they draw. Mm-hmm. And then like, this episode is is just so stupid. And then someone's like, "If we were doing a speed run, any percent." for brain rot we hold the world <laughs> record <laughs> we're challenging them today that's for sure all right so all right. We'll, we're gonna do i haven't actually even read these at all so perfect we're just, we're just gonna go for let's it. go we're gonna do would you rather um mix and match because there's two of you here's Championship what i'm gonna do chip edition just for fun i'm gonna go back and forth so yeah. i won't be answering any questions today i'm gonna go back and forth between you okay i'll ask daniel Part one of the first question and part two of the second question. All right. And then he'll give us our answer. And then without 
hesitation, much hesitation mm-hmm. or, or preamble. <laughs> I just remember that time you said you'd rather whatever it was. You'd rather <laughs> spend the night in a graveyard than be physically <laughs> perfect from the waist down. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Anyway, so you'll give us your answer like pretty quickly, and then Max, I'll give you the other halves of the question. Like we'll my, just go back and forth. My favorite Ooh. podcast moment. And I don't know if any of these have any issues with them. So sweet. Uh, cool. We're just gonna go with it. All right, Daniel, would you rather drive 50 miles with a car full of digital alarm clocks beeping or hang upside down in an elevator for three hours? Hang upside down in an elevator for three hours. Whoa, are you in three the hours? You're inside the, the cabin of the elevator? It yeah. doesn't specify. Okay, not like uh, Ocean's 11 kind of like, yeah, in yeah. an elevator shaft. Three One. hours is so much longer than 50 miles. <clears throat> um, That's a good point. You could floor it. Max, would you rather walk in circles through a revolving door a thousand times or <sighs> drive 50 miles with four styrofoam coolers which constantly rub against each other, creating that annoying <laughs> squeaky 50 sound? 50 miles of just about anything <laughs> a thousand times <sighs> is so many times. And you can't even fully extend your legs. Like you're taking these tiny little baby steps as fast yeah. as you can. Could it be one of those big ones? And the guy at the front desk is going to scream at you the whole time <laughs> what if it's one of those ones that revolves itself and so you're just like just sit <laughs> you just sit on the handrail you just get like a, one of those little omnidirectional <laughs> rolly pads and just like just sit on it and just let it push you around <laughs> <laughs> all right daniel would you rather have to walk around with six large balloons tied to your wrist for a year or Ooh. have the wait have the best looking person in class say yes to you for a date but then stand you up. <laughs> the second option. <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> uh, man, that's heartbreaking. It is, but it lasts for like a day, maybe three, versus yeah. a year of balloons. That's a, a day, good maybe three. Never two. <laughs> <laughs> Never two. Max, would you rather have the ugliest person in class turn you down for a date or have to walk around with loud bells on your ankles for a year? Ooh, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with getting turned down for a date uh, by the ugliest person in class. Daniel, would you rather have the government change your zip code every year or be offensive? (laughs) (laughs) That's Daniel. He's offensive. Um, <laughs> a surprisingly challenging <laughs> question <laughs> from the hyper specific to the yeah, hyper vague. So vague. Uh, um, I'd rather be offensive. Oh, I knew you'd say that. Gosh, <laughs> got what you, you want. You make me sick. All right, Max. How would do you, you rather? Oh wait, I'm sorry. I read the wrong half of that second question. Uh, no, but it doesn't bags. <laughs> no tape bags. Um, at the end of the day, it really doesn't make a difference. Um, or Max, would you rather have the government change your area code every year or Ooh. be incredibly passive? Oh, I see. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with incredibly passive. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Daniel. Would you rather receive $100 million and never find your true love or... <laughs> The swing for the fences. <laughs> it's all been warms up, warm ups for this. Or have. <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. Or pitch them. All right. Would you rather receive $100 million and never find your true love? Yeah. Or have your own personal live in butler? <laughs> oh. Ooh. Ah, I have uses for this. This is supposed to be, it's supposed to be quick. I'm going to go with $100 million. Whoa! And never find your true love. Yeah. You can find fake love. 
You almost certainly would with a hundred million dollars. Uh, I can't take it back. Well, you just have your own living butler. Well, you and see, maybe you'll fall in love with them. <laughs> Hopefully, you don't have to pay my, him or her. As you know, my thought process was centered around Batman. If I had a hundred million, <laughs> I could be Batman and have a butler, and then and be lonely, and be Batman. lonely like Batman. Or I could just be half of Batman with the butler. <laughs> so and maybe like, a family. <laughs> I like the like. Which of these two makes me more like Batman? That's how so we should always answer. Which <laughs> pretty much. All right, Max. Would you rather? <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> Be penniless and find my true love. No. Oh. <laughs> Just meet the person of your romantic dreams. Just meet? <laughs> well, it doesn't well. That's not, like, the worst. Not thing? just meet, but like but like it, nothing the rest with, is up to you. Nothing to do with pennilessness. Sure, yeah. Okay. Um, would you rather meet the person of your romantic dreams yeah. or have your own personal live in masseuse? So th- Huh. Okay. Well, so this is a complicated question, but I'm gonna first I'm gonna diffuse this bomb in the following fashion. I'm gonna say no to meeting the person in my romantic dreams because it opens up two possibilities. One is that I've already met Renee, and Renee is my fiance, and then I'm like, well, what a waste of a of a wish. But then the other thing is, what if I meet the person in my romantic dreams and it isn't Renee, and then I spend the rest of my life being like, wow, I guess Renee's not the person in my romantic dreams. That sounds like a horrible life, living the rest of my life knowing that. So the I'll nice thing the, the nice thing about a live-in masseuse is that in college Renee got trained as a athletic masseuse and she worked in their health center. So I guess in a few months I'm going to get option number 2, which is probably the first time in the history of this insane game that I've actually had one of the options. <laughs> but there you go. That was wildly personal and felt like you just Avoided the question all. Okay, well, you're very offensive. <laughs> and I am incredibly. And you're hurt. nothing like Batman. <laughs> You'll never be Batman. <laughs> that Mark wasn't very. Passive. I can't believe you've said this to me. Mark my words. Uh, wow. Batman. Oh, man. oh, I'm sorry. Daniel, give me a number between one and a thousand and one. What, are you trying to think of the most Batman number right now? <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> Two. I almost said two. Have two we? Was the number that I was have we? Why were you thinking two? I have no clue. All I was right. There's a number of parents he lost. That's genuinely <laughs> what I was thinking. As <laughs> Batman, yeah. dynamic duo. That's well, a better reason. Well, a three <laughs> looks like a B, and a four looks like an uh, A, I and see. a five is looks there, like an S. Is there a bass man? No, 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 a bass man. <laughs> He's out there in his little boat. <laughs> he can't be stopped. Oh, <laughs> listeners, bless you for listening this far. A thousand and one things you always want to know about the Bible, but never thought to ask. How is it that when Bill's not here, we're so much more off the rails? I don't know. Like we're like super professional, and Bill's like the fun one. And then as soon as he's gone, it's like chaos. Well, sometimes I mean we haven't started talking about anything that matters yet. And, this, and, and this is usually when we sober. We almost certainly won't. Um, <laughs> this right. Uh, by J. Stephen Lang, author of the complete book of Bible trivia. Uh, he's got like 1.2 million books sold, according to his Wikipedia page. Uh, number That's a two. Lot of books to write. He's also written a book, A Thousand and One Things You Always Wanted to Know About Cats. No, I never thought to ask. Did he really? Yeah. No, he really? really? Yeah. Does he actually care about it's the Bible? It's on Amazon. Or does he just he... like A Thousand and One Things? Oh, he's obsessed with the number. Um, this comes from the section, uh, familiar phrases. Number two. Wait, the first section in this 
book is familiar phrases. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's dumb. If you want, you want to know what number one is? Yeah. Well, you'll have to say it next week. <laughs> uh, number two, scapegoat. In the original sense, it was a real goat. On the annual Day of Atonement, Israel's high priest would lay his hands on a goat, symbolically transferring the people's sins to it, then drive it away into the wilderness. The scapegoat fared better than the other Day of Atonement goat, which was sacrificed as a sin offering. The word has come to mean someone who takes the blame for others. See 666 Atonement. What's up, Daniel? <laughs> when you said drive away the goat, I just pictured a guy <laughs> on the goat, like <laughs> driving the goat away. Um, I'm not familiar with the, you put the sins of the people into the goat and then you just, I was expecting them to kill it. I didn't expect it to be like, get, get out of here, goat. <clears throat> is that, what is this? Are you guys familiar with this, with, with the Day of Atonement? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Go on. I don't know if I'm, a fam I don't have my Bible with me. If That's unfortunate. I remember correctly, which I could not be remembering correctly, mm -hmm. but they do both. Right. Yeah. There's one goat that takes all the sins and is. And leaves. Leaves. <laughs> Take is driven away. Leaving. Okay. Um, and then the other one is given this end and killed. So <clears throat> let me ask you a question then. If Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, right? And in Hebrews, it describes him being the atoning sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Is there another Jesus who took the sins and ran? <laughs> like, why is Jesus only one of the goats? Well, in a sense, Jesus' blood was spilled, which purified us. Mm -hmm. And he also... Jesus was sent away from his from the Father and descended. Um, oh, okay, yeah, like descended into hell. Interesting. So there's a sense of him kind leaving, of, kind of being both. Yeah, that it's interesting. It it seems like a bit of a stretch. It does, but I do. I like that because my immediate thought when I hear like you know that there's two there's two Day of Atonement goats is very strange. It's like, oh, well, I, you know, how is Jesus either representative of both or how do we not need the running away goat? Or like, is there a, a, a driving away goat? Um, one thing that we say often on this show, and I think uh, in, in sort of modern Christianity, um, at least among our generation, is this idea that uh, the reason for these laws in the Old Testament, right, in the Pentateuch especially, um, isn't that we today are supposed to still be following them, but that they were provided to the Israelites as a way to give them a vision of who God was, um, to demonstrate his character and to uh, help them see him more clearly. Uh, and that so when Jesus comes and fulfills the law, he A, lets us see him more clearly, and B, fulfills the purposes of these sin offerings and stuff like that. And uh, we talked about that before on the show. So to put our money where our mouth is a little bit, and this is obviously kind of a bit of an obscure passage and not one that we're prepped on, but how does this requirement of Aaron and Moses and the Israelites reveal God's character to them more clearly? And you know, in that way, what is the value of this law to the Israelites? <clears throat> so it goes out of its way to talk about Aaron's sons at the beginning of this chapter and how they, you know, Bill, uh, Bill's working theory, and I, I think he's probably right, um, is that 
Aaron's sons, not only were they doing things they weren't supposed to be doing, but they were drunk while they were doing them. Right. Um, and so they were clearly... It's uh, Leviticus 10. Leviticus 10. Thank you. So they were clearly <clears throat> not understanding or taking seriously the gravity of their role as priests and kind of by extension, and more importantly, the holiness of God. And so I think what a lot of this is really communicating is just how uh, how holy uh, God really is, mm-hmm. uh, essentially saying, you know, like even... You know, even even when Aaron's doing everything right, he still can't just choose to come into my presence whenever he wants to. I mm-hmm. dictate when he comes into my presence, otherwise he'll die. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's really important. That's an important for these uh, these people who clearly, looking at the stories in the first, you know, from Exodus to Deuteronomy, uh, these people clearly don't have like a proper understanding of God. They've either lost it along the way since Abraham, or maybe Abraham, mm-hmm. you know. Or maybe they have too high of an opinion of themselves because of Abraham. Like, well, Abraham was like God's friend, so mm-hmm. like I'm just gonna go in, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so God is really clearly using this, these requirements for Aaron before he can go into the most holy place, and the only time he can go into the most holy place to really uh, emphasize his holiness to his people. And then on the other side of it, you know, the the regular atonement um, or the regular like practicing of the Day of Atonement um, each year, I really serves, I think, as a reminder of, like, the sinfulness of the Israelite people, Hmm. that, like, you know, this is uh, something, like, that we need to be remembering on a yearly basis um, and dealing with on a yearly basis. In addition, even to just, like, our normal day-to-day dealings with it, we need to, like, have this reminder um, of of the sins that we've committed. And maybe that's a part of, maybe that's a part of the scapegoat. I don't know why, I don't know why it's released versus killed, but it did say that Aaron like confesses the wickedness over it, which is a little different. Like he doesn't, you don't really see him doing that with a sacrifice. Hmm. Um, maybe, this is, I'm just thinking out loud. Yeah. I don't know if this is true or not. But if we look at that issue of confession and how I don't, at least on the Day of Atonement and maybe elsewhere, confession is not like intrinsically connected with like sacrifice. Um, So maybe there's like this component there of like reminding them that just because your sins have been dealt with doesn't mean that they like go away. Mm. Um, Like they go away in God's sight, but that like there's still, you know, you're not, you're not now perfect. You're Mm. not clean, you don't have any, you know, you're not now living with no consequences of what you've done, but, you know, these these sins that Aaron is verbally confessing, potentially in front of people, but at least with himself, I don't know, I can't remember, um, they're still out there. Like, you know, the things that you did are have still been done. Yeah. Maybe that maybe that's part of it here, um, because that that confession element I don't think normally plays a big role in, in the sacrifice. Hmm. Um, and then there's also, you know, Bill's talked about... Um, how like there was no, there were there was no means of atonement for certain kinds of of sins um, yeah. uh, kind of prescribed in the law. I think like murder, um, there wasn't a way that you could like make that right. Um, and so maybe this is also kind of like an indicative of that too. That like you know, there's some sins that like sacrificing a lamb or a goat like isn't going to like resolve resolve. <clears throat> I don't know. Those are some thoughts about the scapegoat. But yeah, yeah I think mm-hmm. on, on the whole, the Day of Atonement really serves as a reminder of like God's holiness and our sinfulness. Hmm. What do you think, Daniel? Um, 
I looked up a quick um, Bible project, or I, I just searched Jesus in the Day of Atonement, yeah. and a article from the Bible Project came up, and it talked about how the Day, day of Atonement was showing it shows um, focus on purification because in that section of Leviticus, there's a lot of purification rituals. Yeah. So the sprinkling of blood is uh, a purification like symbol, ritual, and practice. Mm. And it also mentions um, this theme of repentance. So the scapegoat being this um, looking through and seeing that Israel is turning away from their sins is the their sins are leaving mm. them. Mm. So this idea that it's holding both themes of purification in the goat that's getting killed mm-hmm. and then mm. repentance of Israel going away from their sins. Mm. So that was one take on the meaning and the purpose of both of the different sure. mm. Man, I wonder what it was like for that guy who walks the goat out. You're going to take this sin goat who's loaded with all the sins that we've committed and you're going to just wander into the wilderness and let him loose. I would hope for a really long rope. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So you're not like just holding on to this thing? Yeah. Um, Daniel, what are you reading? (laughs) What? How many am I limited to to talk about? Pick your favorite. We'll start there. Um, I'm reading a, a book called He Descended to the Depths. Okay. Something like that. It's about the the doctrine of Jesus' descent into mm. into hell. Yeah. So that's a it's really interesting because it is something that has been very disputed on whether or not Jesus actually descended. Right. Um so like the author mentioned that in Wayne Grudem's like systematic theology, which is a go-to or has been a go-to for many years, <clears throat> that Wayne Grudem's in like I don't know about the newest edition, but most of his editions have said like gone against the idea right. that Jesus has descended. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting. Um, and the and author it's descended to hell. Descended to hell. Yeah. So okay. the author. Um, started off on a personal note of talking of why this is an important thing to learn and think about. It's the fact that Jesus has gone through everything that we have gone through, even death. Mm. So as somebody who is nearing death or going towards death, um, or somebody who has just lost a loved one, there is some sort of hope in knowing that Jesus, our Messiah, has also like gone through death himself. Mm. He went through the agonizing pain of being separated from his friends, his family, and also like he was separate for God, from God for a while too. Yeah. So that's a really interesting, um, interesting read going into the weeds of a topic of theology. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Man, has it been engaging so far? It has been. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really good. I, yeah. Mm. I don't have to say more about it. Perfect. Um, I want to ask a, a quick question that, uh, especially since it's just 
since it's just the youngins uh, today, I want to talk about something that I've been thinking about for a, a while, um, for the better part of a year, but uh, intensely again. Uh, I was reminded of it a couple days ago. Um, and it's, I don't really know how to get into it. So I guess I'll just uh, jump right in and say for the vast majority of my life, I really didn't have any close uh, agnostic or, or just non Christian friends. Um, all of the people that I confided in, all the people I was really close to, the people I spent the majority of my time with were always Christians. And I, I think that's probably the case for, for you guys too. Um, am, am I wrong, Scott, Daniel? No. Um, in high school, I had a decent amount of people that yeah. I knew that weren't necessarily Christians, but sure. since then, not really. And I've been thinking about that, and and part of it, I think, is is a sense of of self preservation. And I think part of it was in high school. I, I ran into a lot of people who had problems with my faith, not even like on a political level of like, oh, your faith means you're against this or for this or whatever, um, but just purely on like a that's weird. Why do you believe in a god kind of thing? Um, mm-hmm. And so to avoid that and to avoid uh, sort of the pain that came along with people. Um, doing things that I didn't believe in, uh, people I loved doing things that I didn't believe in and, and not really knowing how to handle that, I just kind of slowly pushed, you know, all those people out of my life. Um, and my thought now as I sit here at age 27 is that I really haven't changed that too much, like even less so now than ever before. Do I know, am I even remotely close with anyone who doesn't, who doesn't believe that Jesus Christ died to save them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that seems like I real. I, I want to start off by recognizing that there are, um, I don't know, like this is not meant to convict you two. It's not meant to convict listeners, but I feel convicted that I, it doesn't seem like a very effective witness. I don't really know what my overall plan is when it comes to, to sharing the gospel with people. If I'm not letting people, if I'm not trying to meet people who don't know Jesus. Mm -hmm. And when I do, as I have, you know, through meeting a lot of, of people from work and, and things like that, Renee's work friends as well. Um, you know, not letting them in, not truly loving them in the way that I love, some of my closest friends who do believe in Jesus. Um, and that seems counterproductive to me because it doesn't seem like I can effectively express the love of God. If I'm like emotionally holding back, if I'm putting up barriers and saying like, well, I'm, you know, I don't feel safe or, or comfortable, uh, uh, sharing what's going on in my life with this person. Cause I, I don't know how they'll, they'll take it. Um, and, and I, I've been reading again, uh, uh, I started with uh, what if Jesus was serious about prayer and now I'm just doing what if Jesus was serious. And right now I'm reading about, you know, loving our, our enemies. Um, and I think I've been very quick to label people who didn't follow Jesus as not enemies, but like sort of mm-hmm. neutrals. Like, you know, you're not, I'm not going to pour my, my heart out to you necessarily. Cause I don't feel comfortable mm-hmm. talking about, you know, it's hard for me to talk about what's going on in my life without talking about God and being afraid to talk to people about God. Uh, and as, as a result of those two facts, not talking to people about what goes on in my life. Mm-hmm. So I guess my, my question to you guys, and, and part of it is because our generation, I think, is going to be pretty critical in what happens to the future of, of 
Christianity in America. And we've talked before on this show about how it kind of seems like cultural Christianity in the United States is going away and how that's a good thing and a bad thing, uh, certainly a painful thing uh, for many people. Um, But for people who are in their late 20s right now, I think having someone who they know loves them and respects them still model God's love and still express the truth to them unwaveringly is like critical. And I am not taking part in that. I am not putting myself in a situation where I can Mm. do that. And so it makes it more difficult to give advice to people who are (laughs) Mm. (laughs) to say like, this is how you can walk the line of loving someone without condoning uh, their actions, right? This is how you can walk the line of, of being honest about your faith without being afraid that you're, Mm. you know, um, taking preaching into your own hands and like, you know, overreaching what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I want to get your thoughts on on that. And I know, you know, all three of us have had kind of a similar experience when it comes to who our friends are. <laughs> and I want to ask if a that that should change in your lives or in 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 lives of people who grew up like us. Uh, and b what your thoughts are on the idea of really needing to have emotional closeness with people who don't know Jesus. Even though you didn't ask what I had just finished reading. <laughs> it was actually about this. Um, <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. uh, well, it was a book called Questioning Evangelism. Hmm. Um, and uh, one of the chapters I really appreciated. So it's a really, it's an interesting book. Uh, the kind of the core premise I would say is like, what if rather than like having our answers prepared to for lack of a more nuanced term, like shove down people's throats, mm-hmm. uh, we were um, prepared to ask them questions that will kind of, on the one hand, show that we are interested in what they have to say. <clears throat> on the other hand, erode their presuppositions a little bit. Um, and uh, so that's the whole kind of premise, is basically just using questions uh, to further evangelism and building possibility structures to get people to start questioning what they think Mm. um, rather than just telling them what they should think. Um, And so the first couple chapters are about kind of that as a concept. And then the, I would say even like the bulk of it or the definitely like the middle chunk is about questions that people might ask us and how we can respond to that. Mm. Uh, And then the last few are like the last few chapters are, I can't remember if there's two or three of them, but one of them is um, they're basically like confronting, like questions to confront ourselves. And the first one is, "What if I don't care that my neighbor is going to hell?" Yeah. And the second one is, "What if I want my neighbor to go to hell?" Yeah. And I don't remember if there's a third one or not. Those are two really good questions. <laughs> yeah. And the one about you know, what if I don't care um, that my neighbor is going to hell was one that I found like really, like kind of the flip, like two side of like encouraging and like challenging, mm. encouraging because like. Not like, oh, I don't care if they go to hell, you know, whatever, go to hell. But like, but like, you know, do I genuinely feel empathy towards them or am I more apathetic towards their, you know, their eternal fate? And, and in reality, like, you know, it is definitely more apathy, especially because Mm. a lot of the times these, these aren't people that I'm particularly close to. Yeah. Um, you know. It's like if you were married and you became a Christian and your spouse was not a Christian, um, 
because you hadn't been you you hadn't been when you got married. Like I imagine that would be something that you cared a great deal about. But mm. when it's like, or even if it's your sibling or your you know your best friend or whatever. But if it's like the guy down the street that you see mm-hmm. sometimes when you get your mail, like yeah. it doesn't matter as much uh, emotionally. So so I I was encouraged in the sense that like this is not something that is unique to me mm-hmm. to feel this. Um, and that this is something that even this guy whose job, I think his name is Randy Newman, his job, I think he's like like a campus crusade kind of guy, like just out yeah. talking to students and like mm-hmm. evangelizing essentially. And he still has wrestled with this. Like that was really encouraging. And then obviously challenging on the other side of like, okay, well, what do we do from, where, where do we go from here? And, um, and just this real push to, you know, to pray that God would change that mm-hmm. uh, and that he would change your heart for lost people. Mm-hmm. Um and um, and I guess just keep praying it until it happens, because um, I feel like I don't know. Until that happens, you're not going to feel a strong need to build those relationships with with other people. Because like I, I don't think that there's any. I mean, Jesus says that the world is going to know who his disciples are by the way that we love each other. I don't think there's anything wrong with having like your closest relationships being, mm-hmm. you know, other believers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, what, what was that? Oh, it was the book we were reading, um, for the, the young men's discipleship groups. Um, he was talking about, uh, it was a chapter on friendship and he was talking about the, the friendship between David and Jonathan, uh, and how like one of the things that like immediately like knit them together, uh, as such close friends was like their shared heart for God. Mm. And so like, I think, you know, that's okay. Um, and that's, it's good. Um, but then like to go beyond that and to want to be building other relationships with, with people um, in the one sense, like for the sake of, of evangelizing to them, but not out of a sense of like, I will evangelize to you. Um, but mm. out of a sense of like, I care about you and this, you know, as a person, even though I don't know you, I care about your fate. Um, so, yeah. So I think that that's like something um, to really be thinking about and kind of analyzing in yourself is like, do I actually care? Hmm. Like I can say that I care. I can care on like an intellectual level, but like do I actually care about these people? And if the answer is no, which it probably is in a lot of cases, um, then obviously that's a problem. Yeah. Um, and And to really spend some time with God asking him to change that um, because obviously Jesus did and does. Mm-hmm. And so like, if we want to live our lives like Jesus, that's going to be, it's going to have to be a part of it. Yeah. And like, if we want, you know, like the mind of Christ, like what was the mind of Christ fixated on? Yeah. Not going home after work and watching Netflix. <laughs> have you, struggled with not caring if your neighbor's going to hell? I've struggled with a, a a combination of that on top of what you described before. Actually, the ordination assignment after I finished reading this was to react to it. And basically the way that I kicked it off was like, I have, not only have I always had Christian friends around me as my closest, I have always been in a Christian environment. Mm. I went to a Christian school from preschool to high school graduation. I grew up in a Christian home. I went to a Christian college. I graduated. I worked at Chick-fil-A for like three months, and then I worked at a church. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like 
you know, obviously being in ministry, you expect like, oh, well, yeah, you'd have ton of tons of opportunities to to mm-hmm. have conversations with non-believers. Sure. Um, <laughs> not really in my line of ministry. Right. Mm-hmm. Worship ministry. Like pretty much everybody I interact with uh, on that level is like is already saved. And like we do, and I think this is really cool, we do allow non-saved people um, to play in our bands, um, but not to lead or to sing. Um, but I haven't had any of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't had any, you know, unbelievers come up to me like, Hey, I really want to play, you know, I play an instrument. I'd like to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, or even, you know, like with, uh, Joe Muley, who was here briefly when I started before he passed away from cancer. Um, uh, he was Rick's like Rick Palandry's lifelong friend and he drummed and he came in and drummed and then got saved. Um, I haven't had anything like that. So I haven't had any, you know, anyone bringing in other mm-hmm. musicians to, right. um, so, so yeah. Um, so that's, that has limited my access, quote unquote, access to non-believers to mm-hmm. really kind of fringe people in my life. Mm. Uh, and honestly, like right now, like almost no one, yeah. um, which is not the way I want it to be. Um, it's just kind of the way that it is at the moment. Um, because like pretty much I'm either, if I'm not home at, you know, nine o'clock after work, like I'm either at the church working or I'm home after work, which is often late because I work weird hours. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I can't really say like that I, whether or not I care, do I care about the people that I don't know? Um, in like a real heart sense, like no, Mm -hmm. um, intellectually sure. Yeah. But it's really hard to care for people that you don't actually have any real interaction with. Hmm. Um, and so I can't say whether or not, like if I had like a non-believing, like a a good non-believing friend or even just like a mediocre non-believing friend, you know, Mm -hmm. I just don't really have those. Um, and it's hard for me to imagine how I would do that in my life circumstance. (laughs) I'm sure there are ways, um, but I don't know what they are. You got to go on Bumble and you say, I'm looking for an atheist best friend. (laughs) (laughs) Do not go on Bumble. One atheist best friend, please. Uh, Bumble? Isn't Bumble the one? Can't you do looking for friends on Bumble? Technically on all dating apps you can. They have like a friend search? Yeah, kind of. I wonder who's in the friend search. Daniel, That's interesting. I didn't even know that. Daniel, yeah. what do you think? <clears throat> Not about Bumble, about <laughs> what we were talking about. Um, well, I think like I, I'm in the same boat mm-hmm. in in a different way because mm-hmm. um, I like really didn't take faith seriously until like nearing the end of my sophomore year of high school. Yeah. Um, so I'd like established all of my like friend groups in a public school setting um in high school so like i i know i have friends yeah from high school who like aren't christians uh and that was like it was weird i remember getting some really weird questions like Mm -hmm. once things got more serious um so in post high school post graduation i haven't really reached out to many of my high school friends. Part of that is me wanting to kind of like move on and like explore other like 
places in the world and not just staying in Omaha, Nebraska, <laughs> even though I love Omaha, Nebraska. Um, so I've kind of departed naturally from most of my high school friend groups, mm-hmm. which I think is more normal than not yeah. in most cases. Um, so I think now I'm in an interesting spot where I do interact semi-regularly with people who aren't believers but those are like teenagers who like i'm friends with but they're not like my friend that i go and hang out with like go see a movie or go like to a park and like hang out yeah so i don't i don't have any like close friends that Mm. are non-believers at this point yeah i have family members but like most of them are in Des Moines, Iowa, and I think <laughs> Iowa is the worst state in the continental United States. So, <laughs> is um, it better than Alaska or Hawaii? <laughs> what I said is it better than Alaska or Hawaii? Because you specified the, the continental, continental United yeah. States. Yeah, I just I'm just like trying to be generous <laughs> and like lowering the numbers I'm comparing it to. That's all that trying is. Trying to open it up the, the possibility it that it's only um, third worst in the nation. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, I used to interact with a lot of non-believers, yeah. but going to a Christian college, working at a church, yeah. shortens that. I th- and I think that is something that that happens quite a bit. But I, you know, I, I'm just increasingly have been thinking like, you know, the the style of that I have subscribed to for so long of like, you know, just only being close with people who share my faith and only really talking about my faith with people mm-hmm. who share my faith. Like the concept of sharing of, of just talking frankly about like what it feels like to have the Holy spirit talk to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Feels somewhat absurd. I think as I get older, I get a little bit bolder in my willingness to do that. But I think it's a boldness that comes out of a sense of like, well, if it doesn't work out, like I barely know this person, not like mm-hmm. from a sense of like, I'm bold because I love you and I want you to know the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I will say like Gen Z is very fascinating mm-hmm. where there are so many examples of people I know who are like, like true Gen Z, like I'm, I'm outskirts, right? Like on the line, but you're like the sin goat, you're the scapegoat outside. I'm the scapegoat of, uh, <laughs> of Gen Z, of Gen Z. Yep. <laughs> um, but there are a lot of Gen Zers that I know. Um, from my brother's age like to like some high schoolers now mm-hmm. that like i see this happening more often with them like, you see what happening interacting with non-believers mm. and being close friends with them yeah which is really interesting um i think part of it gen z is very like even more open to diversity and even more open to like spiritual things and talking about it in general. Yeah. Um, so that's like a really big encouragement for me to see that people who are a little bit younger than us yeah. are like more focused and like see that as important. Um, so that's like really encouraging. And like whenever I think about this topic, I think about Proverbs one, mm-hmm. um, which I'll read briefly. Um, This is in verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, don't be persuaded. 
Um, and then it goes on to give an example. And then in verse 15, it says, My son, don't travel that road with them or set foot on their path because their feet run towards evil and they hurry to shed blood. Um, it is useless to spread a net where any bird can see it, but they set an ambush to kill themselves. They attack their own lives. Mm-hmm. Such are the paths of all who make profit dishonestly. It takes the lives of those who receive it. So like there is like wisdom in like not having and not like letting. And having numb, wise counsel. Having wise counsel, not letting like, not walking in the path of. Yeah even if they're your friends. Yeah. Um, but the one thing I really like about Proverbs is it's like, it's, it's, uh, I've heard it described as like truisms. Hmm. So like it's wisdom. Yeah. Um, and that's a wise thing not to walk in those paths, but that doesn't mean that we don't enter in on spots of that path that people are walking. Right. Um, and that's mm-hmm. something that's really hard to wrestle with. Um, it's really easy to then look at Proverbs one and be like, Oh yeah. I don't I don't need anybody in my life close like that. Um but the intentionality, like, is hard mm-hmm. to find that level of intentionality. And I'm I'm thankful that I have like an area of ministry where like there are non believers that like come to hang out on a Friday night. Yeah. And I can have conversations with them. Absolutely. Um, and even when they're in that situation, like building the relationship is like kind of my priority. Mm. And then um, showing them so that when I tell them about who God is, who Jesus is, it makes more sense. Mm. Yeah. And I like what you say about, you know, not wanting to embrace the sinful nature. Right, mm-hmm. not wanting to to embrace sort of being uh, slaves to our own desires and and slaves to selfishness, mm-hmm. um, and and frankly, like there are people who, without knowing such words, without knowing that that's kind of the way to phrase it, like are that's that's you know. Uh, yeah. It's not just our culture. It's not just this generation. It's pretty much yeah. every generation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think like that distinction is really important because there are some people in in the church and who are church adjacent mm. um who see see that distinction and they think of like embracing is all you can do yeah so you have to if you love somebody you will embrace what they who they are and what they do and like it's not like it's not the case yeah like you can you can love somebody and care deeply about them without like saying that all their sin is good yeah um if anything that's not the loving thing to do and i think that balance is something that's really going to happen need to happen in the church Mm -hmm. um in the upcoming years as um, the conversations around um very different hot button topics Mm -hmm. about how people live their lives and choices they make like yeah and how do we engage with that as a church Right. I think it's an important thing for us to figure out because if we don't, more and more people will see the church as unloving. Right. And I think if you're, if you right now are in a, a, a close friendship with someone who doesn't, you know, 
doesn't believe in, in Jesus, like you are kind of a pioneer when it comes to this, this idea of balance, this idea mm-hmm. of pursuing goodness and truth above all else, um, while letting people know how much they are loved. Cause that's who God is, right? God loves us endlessly. And he also is a God of justice and he also is a God of truth. And he also is a God of mercy. Um, yeah. And so like, you know, if you're in a, in a situation and, and this is something that, you know, the, I, I don't blame people, including myself for thinking that it's really hard or impossible to, um, love someone that you disagree with without condoning their actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think that's something that our culture says that like, if you love yeah. me, you're going to support what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what makes people of all ages who are close to someone who doesn't know Jesus, you are a, you are a pioneering force in the pursuit mm-hmm. of a holy friendship with someone who doesn't know God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like... And I encourage you to read yeah. the Bible and encourage you to listen to the Holy <laughs> Spirit. And when he tells you, you know, pray that he gives you words to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like love um, talking about and thinking about the relationship my stepsister has with her best friend growing up. Hmm. Um, they were like really close best friends. Yeah. Um, and now he, he's married to a, a guy out in Colorado mm-hmm. and like he grew up learning about Jesus and being yeah. in church. Um, and like he asked her to participate in the wedding. Yeah. And she said, you, I, I care and I love about love you, but I won't be there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not because I don't care about you. It's just, and like he understood. Yeah. Um, and that put a strain on the relationship. Sure. But I got to meet him and his partner at my stepsister's wedding a year ago and they were, their relationship is close. Mm. They the relationship care. between your stepsister and, and this guy. And this guy, they're really close. He's amazing. He's offered, like, if I'm ever in Colorado and need a place to stay, <laughs> the house is open. Mm-hmm. Um, I've stayed over at his parents' house mm-hmm. a couple times. Like, they're true, deeply family friends, and we care deeply about both of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, like, a really cool example that I don't see too often. Sure. And, yeah, so so that's a little encouragement of, like, it is possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is possible. <laughs> Um, and when it does happen, like true love is being shown. Right. And that story is not over yet either. Yeah. Right. It's like continual. Jesus is not done with that man and he's not done with that man's partner. And like, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll take the opportunity briefly to brag about something that Renee does all the time. And I think it's just because it's the way she talks now. Um, but whenever she talks about our, like, um, just like the process of, of us getting together or like various things that are going on in our lives, she talks about uh, the Holy Spirit like speaking to her, like when mm-hmm. she's talking to friends at work. And sometimes mm-hmm. that leads her to like pretty long conversations where people are like, what are you talking about? And she's yeah. like, oh, like, well, you know, like pray about it. And I really feel like this. Mm-hmm. And physically it feels like this. And mentally it feels like this. And that's how I know that God's, you know, leading me in, in one way or another. And, mm-hmm. um, Again, I, I do want to say if that's something that you don't feel like you've experienced, if that's something that you don't feel like you've really heard the Holy Spirit telling you to do things, like yeah. please let us know. Let somebody <laughs> who knows Jesus, who loves you know, 
read God's smuggler. I don't know, like that, <laughs> that has changed my life radically is embracing. Mm. I had like an inkling of it for years and years and years and years and really diving in and saying, if God's real and he can be speaking to me actively, then why am I not really pursuing the idea of mm -hmm. trying to listen for him mm -hmm. uh, and, and lifting up things large and small to him and practicing hearing his voice? Cause Jesus says, I will recognize his voice. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I love that she takes that opportunity with people at work. Like, and it's just cause like, say, Hey, this is how I talk about, it. like, I'm not going to be able to talk about this topic. The, of like, you know, the, 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 how she and I got together. Like, I'm not gonna be able to talk about this topic of like how my parents are doing, you know, without saying like, oh, like I'm praying about this right now, but like, you know, X, Y, and Z are like, oh, we had to make like this decision. And, you right. know, this is what it really feels like. That's what the Holy Spirit's telling me to do. And, mm -hmm. um, man, yes, the, you gotta, I guess that takes guts, guts that I don't have yet yeah. <laughs> that I'm trying to grow towards. Yeah. And I think a big encouragement is hearing those stories. Mm too. So uh, I encourage you, if you're in our congregation or somewhere um, else in the world. Yeah. <laughs> if you're the guy in the Congo who listens. <laughs> <laughs> um, go to like, if you know a missionary who's staying or around the church, mm. you can talk to them too. They have, a, I'm sure, a ton of stories and experiences about talking and having conversations with people who... Yeah. On the frontier. On the frontier. So, mm. amen. Final thoughts before we uh, move on to topic of the week. I'm kidding. It's. <laughs> I'm kidding. We've been recording for an hour. And 15 was that minutes. topic of the week? That was topic of the week. <laughs> topic of the week this week is brought to you by Daniel Wright. Daniel, give your spiel. You paid. Daniel's shirt is totally dry now. It has it completely dried about halfway through Fast the show. Acting, drying acting. shirt Ooh, from Coles. Wow. A couple years ago. Yeah. Wow. I actually got this shirt for my internship because there was a dress <laughs> requirement of um, business casual and most of my wardrobe was not business casual. I, for as long as I worked here, I don't, I think I was business casual twice. <laughs> unless, unless a uh, flannel counts as business casual. I was not business <laughs> casual for, uh, for my internship with Bloomingdale church. Yeah. Uh, listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions would you rather is trivia quizzes and your definition of business casual to podcast at bloomingdotchurch.org or more importantly, send stories of sharing the gospel with people you love who know you love them, who don't know Jesus. Man, the gospel sounds different coming from someone that you know loves and respects you even though they disagree with you than it does mm -hmm. from somebody who like you kind of know because you met that one time and yeah. now they're telling you about it. It's like, man, God loves you. So when God speaks to us, he speaks to us from a place of loving us. Um, you can send those stories to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. That is all the time that we have this week. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Thank you Max. Who do you, do either of you remember whose turn it is? No, Bill did it last. Did Bill do it last time? Yeah. Scott, you, I don't know. Yes. Scott take us home <laughs> you've been listening to the bloomingdale church podcast brought to you from bloomingdale illinois the heart of the nation
How you doing? Doing good. <clears throat> let's do a sound check. Yeah. Before I've you tell me anything before. else, um, let's go around and say your favorite flavor of ice cream. I don't know what mine is. Let's go around. <laughs> Just immediate regret. <laughs> Why have I done this? Let's go around and say uh, the last. Go around. Read the last text you sent. I already did. Well, <laughs> do it again. I have to figure out which one it is. Okay. Um, here's my sound check. 4 p.m. is perfect. We'll meet you at the venue and we can walk. My fiance is flying in from a business trip at noon, so let me know if you need help moving things when you get to town. I'll be around. Daniel? If you want to, we had you on the schedule for that one week, but I'm more than happy to still have you on. Hmm. Scott? Cookies and cream. <laughs> that is my favorite ice cream It's flavor. so good. It's so good. <laughs> What's the last thing? <laughs> Um, uh, great now let's do a real (laughs) let's just all say cookies and cream cookies and cream cookies and cream cookies and cream I thought you were going to read your text (laughs) 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 alright one second don't say anything step one get the cookies (laughs) step two it's weird that cookies and cream is like a flavor that is like did it well, it's like I want ice cream and cream. Well, no, because what I'm saying is like it's like just like it's Oreos, right? It's always yeah. like Oreo. Oh, yeah. sure. But like it's some, but it's also just like such a like it's like pretty close to the top of like not like general ice cream flavors, uh-huh. right? But it's like a specific mm-hmm. product. You're like right. if someone was like, "Here's Butterfingers ice cream," yeah, you'd be like, "That's Whoa. kind of unusual." But if they're like, "Here's cookies and cream ice cream," you're like, "Thank you, that's my favorite." Not to mention, no one ever gets cookies and cream and like spits it out and is like, "This doesn't taste like Snickerdoodles," right? <laughs> like it's one specific kind of cookie that we ourselves can't bake. Like it's a kind <laughs> of cookie you have to buy. <laughs> and then I also wonder, like, is it always been Oreos or did it exist Ooh. back when it was like Hydrax or Hydrox or whatever the, the Hydra? Hydra from the Hail Hydra. Yes. Hail Hydrox. Hail Hydra. Like, did it exist before Oreos or is it explicitly Oreos? Mm. Why don't we just call it Oreos? I mean, I'm I'm sure for branding reasons, but if it is Oreos, why don't we just call it Oreo ice cream? That's the other thing is like, go for um, it. Dairy Queen says Oreo. And so does Steak and Shake. Yeah, Culver's Steak and Shake says Oreo. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Culver's does. I think Culver's does. But like, they must pay for that. Like Steak and Shake, they're not going to lose any money if they say cookies and cream instead of Oreo. Like, they're wasting money on that licensing, and they need yeah. all the money they can get. <laughs> Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and go on, Scott. You can talk. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Blooming Dutch Church Podcast. Also, for our listeners. Just a special tidbit. Hey. <clears throat> when you heard that Max and Scott are co-chairs, they are indeed sitting in the same chair. That's right. Every right podcast episode. Yeah, we've yeah. never addressed that. And we, we don't sometimes ad- you're on my lap, sometimes I'm in your lap, sometimes <laughs> yeah. we're standing very close to each other on the same <laughs> chair. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We never addressed Bill's costume either. Yeah. Well, he's not here, so we'll save that for next yeah. week. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I even though I've seen it 
almost a hundred times yeah. at this point. I still don't know that I could fully describe it without <laughs> looking at it in the moment. <laughs> it is that intricate and it is very- extravagant. I mm. do miss Dan Marcello's ponytail, though. How he uh, always used to like. <laughs> he always used to like. I saw this video once of this guy who had just like a crazy beard, like a you know foot long kind of beard, yeah, five dollar foot long beard. Okay, uh, and he like was showing people who have crazy beards how to like. I don't even know. There's probably a term. I'm going to use the word tuck. How to like tuck it. And so basically he like does this like twist, tie, braid, whatever. And then he kind of like gets it up underneath in his beard. So he just looks like he has a beard maybe a little bit longer than Daniel's. Interesting. Um, that's what Daniel, uh, that's what Dan Marcello did with his ponytail. He just tucked it in so you couldn't see right it. It was like he had normal. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Marcello did not have any facial hair. It was all his, was all, all his ponytail. <laughs> Comb over ponytail onto his face. <laughs> you never like heard it in a movie? I've heard, yeah, that's what I've heard in the movie. You heard just that one part. The boys are back in town, the boys. I think that's just the whole song. Oh, shoot. Man, writing music used to be so much easier. (laughs) (laughs) I will say one of my favorite Daniel Wright quotes is we were, when we were roommates, what song, I don't remember what song started playing, but it was like from like the 70s or 80s. Mm. It might have been, it was Hotel California. We were listening to Hotel California and it gets to the end and you're like, I miss the days when songs used to have like, music in them <laughs> and like the guitar solo starts and you're like this is like music <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> which you know old people probably say that and they're probably right but you're even more right because you're daniel right and you're way more familiar with today's music than true you should yeah. if you ever want to just have a little chuckle ask rick Palander what he thinks about rap <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Listeners, send your opinions of rap. No, I don't want to know your opinions. <laughs> no. Rick Palandry, send your opinions of rap. Listeners, Rick. send your opinions of rap to Rick Palandry <laughs> at bloomingdesserts.firstcentennialmortgage.org. Um, speaking of Daniel Wright, yes. I encourage all of our listeners to go to Captain Daniel Wright's Woods Forest Preserve. Ooh, that's right. It's about 45 minutes north of Bloomingdale in, um, near Bannockburn. Ooh, I've never even heard of that. Yep. Slash Deerfield. What, is it nice? It's very nice. It's a wood. Well, you... T- <laughs> Woods. <laughs> there is, it is a very wooded area. Wow. It's very nice. Yeah. Cool. Nice little stroll. 